So, I'm on 3rd Avenue, minding my own business, and yada, yada, yada. I get a free massage and a facial. What a succinct story. <laughs> I'm surprised you drive a Cadillac. Oh, it's not mine. It's my mother's. Are you close with your parents? Well, they gave birth to me, and yada, yada. Yada what? Yada, yada, yada. But I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Hello, buddy. Hey. Welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. My name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And this week, we're going to talk about some secondary characters, yada, yada, yada. We're going to finish the podcast. And yeah. Simple as that. It's, it's over now. It we is. We just yada, yada our way through the whole podcast. <laughs> that's it. Quickest podcast in podcast history. Absolutely. And if you haven't figured it out, we are talking about the yada, yada from season eight, episode 19 of that season. And Stephen, I'm going to say it right now, one of my favorite episodes we've done so far. Yeah, it's a really, really good episode. Yeah. Really classic, lots of classic lines, anti-dentite, yada yada, of course. Mm-hmm. Lots of secondaries, lots of moving parts. It all really works well. It feels like the standard of season five and six, but season eight. Yeah. Uh, it is a bit wacky. It does have the season eight kind of vibe, but it does call back for me personally to uh, the minutia and just the really, really dialed in script and focus of season four five and six and one of my favorite parts of the episode that jerry he is on fire with the one-liners and yeah. the zingers isn't he he's yeah. just he's got something he's got everything in his in his uh you know thing yeah <laughs> even, even when he's getting a hard time from Watley, is like you know is that why we have to wait for appointments <laughs> <laughs> yeah. even when he's being called out yeah. you know incorrectly but you know even when he's on the receiving end of criticism he yeah. still has to get the, the the boot in he has the zingers for all the zingers in his arsenal yeah well, it's crazy yeah mm-hmm uh, if you want to send us some zingers our way, you can email us, bidwithwaspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can say hello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. Uh, you can listen to all of our previous episodes on your podcast app of choice. And if you want to rate us or review us, that would be fantastic. It really helps us with visibility and spreading the word about the podcast. And you can support us financially too. Indeed. And if you want to help people convert to the podcast for the jokes, and uh, if they're keen on giving us money you know, for finances to help run the operating costs of the podcast, because there are a few, patreon.com for slash Bidwabask, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. We also have a PayPal account, so go into the show notes and check that out for any one-off donations you want to give us. That's right. We also run the biggest Seinfeld community on the internet. It's called Seinfeldisms. Uh, it's a Facebook group. Uh, we're sort of hovering at about 102,500 members because about a month and a half ago, Facebook seemingly changed their algorithm. Mm. So uh, we're yeah. not getting as many new members. Mm. Uh, it's not growing as rapidly as it was. Uh, the new members seem to be replacing the people that we kick out for being jerks so it's, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's kind of we're kind of just treading water at the moment still we're uh, by far the biggest group on facebook for seinfeld and as far as i can tell as far as my research takes me the biggest seinfeld community cohesively uh, online so uh, yeah check it out seinfeldisms indeed anyway speaking of seinfeldisms as we normally do to kick off the show what's happened in your real world or in in real life in your world that's related to seinfeld well this one happened i've just moved uh into a new apartment about five or six weeks ago and this one happened but i only really clocked that it was a seinfeldism through the week across the road we're on the first level and across directly across the road on i think level two so we're sort of looking up from our balcony there's a woman who constantly does yoga in her underwear oh sometimes she's nude (laughs) so obviously that's (laughs) i can't even remember the episode we did it recently the contest the contest we re-gifted the contest that's right yeah our second edition yeah that's right yeah so a pretty salacious but good seinfeldism yes (laughs) yeah maybe i was so sort of maybe i was so enthralled with the fact that there's a semi-naked woman doing yoga that I didn't even clock it was a Seinfeldism but uh, this week it occurred to me I thought hang on this, this, happens, in Seinfeld. this ha- happens in Seinfeld did you have your neighbour coming in sitting on the windowsill watching and then you, you don't see them for 10 minutes no no no, no. we've gotten to know our neighbours but oh, uh, they haven't come over to watch the uh, the woman who seemingly doesn't really care I mean she would be aware that it's not like we're sitting out there you know at a certain time of day waiting for her it's, it's always just coinc- I think I've seen her maybe two or three times sure. and it's always just been when I'm out on the balcony I usually stand out there in the morning you know while having my cup of coffee enjoying the, the the start of the day <laughs> yeah. and then she'll 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 turn up and it's not like i ling like i don't linger you know and and hang around and, and stare at her it's always just ships sort of passing in the night so to speak 
Yes. But uh, yeah, it's it's happened frequent enough. And she would know that people are at least catching glimpses of her. And she doesn't seem to care. So. She knows she looks good. Well, she's got the typical like yoga instructor body, like very fit, very lean, very athletic. Sure. So, you know, maybe it's just she's like, well, I'm hot and I uh, look great. So I'm just going to let people look. Good. I wish I had that same body and mentality. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fab. Good on her. I'd probably get complaints from the neighbors if I did that on my balcony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get the police coming in, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Put it away. That's right. Uh, No Seinfeld isn't for me this week, unfortunately. Again, third week in a row. Ah, Yeah, I guess because it's close to Christmas time or Thanksgiving for our North American listeners as Mm. well. You know, it's been pretty pretty quiet, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the first week or two after the lockdown ended here in Melbourne, it was so exciting. But uh, now it's almost back to normal. You're just like, oh, yeah, what pandemic? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Obviously, that's speaking for us here in Australia. Our uh, our listeners in Europe and America are going through a pretty tough time at the moment with, you know, record COVID cases and hospital admissions and and all sorts of things. So if you are one of those listeners, our hearts are with you. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, we've we've come through one of the world's, maybe still the world's longest lockdown Mm. in terms of consecutive days. uh, And it was brutal. Oh, yeah. And uh, it felt like the end was never in sight, but the end came. Mm. And uh, it's quite nice. So the, the same will happen to you. It will. Absolutely. Anyway, Seinfeld News, mate. How many articles do you have this week? Uh, two. Uh, starting off with another passing. Not... Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. So not, not <laughs> Seinfeld uh, alumni per se, but yeah. an unseen character. Uh, a legendary mayor of New York, the first black mayor, David Dinkins, passed away. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he passed away at the age of... He was in his 90s. 93. Right? 93. Yeah, was an old guy. Yes, he's most famous for being mentioned in the non-fat yogurt episode. Yeah, so... Uh, the first version, I can't remember the actor's name, but the first version of uh, Lloyd Braun yeah. worked for him. And uh, Dinkum was actually leading the mayoral race in that episode. But uh, when... Uh, Giuliani. Uh, yeah, so Giuliani's his opposition. Mm-hmm. And uh, Giuliani doesn't look like he's going to win. But when Braun suggests the name tags via Jerry, uh, sorry, via Elaine, it sort of humiliates Dinkins and, uh, you know, he loses the race. Yeah. So, yeah, Elaine is responsible for the downfall of... Dinkins. Of Dinkins, yeah. Interesting. I'm sure you know this, but in the non fat yogurt they did two versions of it so they did one if Dinkins won the election in real yeah. life and if Giuliani won in real life they were going to swap the characters over yeah um so yeah so that worked out yeah that's right mm. so just a few of the I guess more notable achievements and policies that Dinkins enacted whilst he was mayor he expanded the affordable housing to combat homelessness in New York which really really helped drive down those numbers um, he pushed for measures to tackle the uh, HIV and AIDS crisis that was unfolding in the 80s and wasn't really being addressed at a national level yeah Sure. New York and San Francisco were like the epicenters of that crisis. So he really sort of targeted it because it mattered so much, not just for the community, but, you know, on a national level as well. Mm-hmm. He also uh, pushed for major expansion of the NYPD in a crime fighting effort. And that was sort of picked up and expanded upon even by Giuliani after Dinkins left and Giuliani came in. Yeah, his zero tolerance policy, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's drawn a lot of criticism uh, looking back, you know, for being uh, overly harsh on specific parts of the community. Fair enough, I think. But, you know, you can't argue that it did bring the crime numbers right down and sort of take New York from that sort of dingy, uh, you know, crime-ridden city from the 70s and 80s into a bit more of a lighter, Mm -hmm. you know, freer, maybe safer city of the 90s and into, you know, now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So methods, maybe not the best, but the results, I think, speak for themselves. Yeah. Like I said before, he was the first African-American mayor of New York. So that's sort of his main, I guess, note. And uh, yeah, he had a pretty storied career. Even after, he was still pretty influential in New York politics, Mm kind of like Obama is now. You know, he's not in politics, but he was so defining as an African-American president, he still has quite a a weight and a presence in politics. So similar comparisons, I think. Yeah, true. Uh, Yeah, so if you want to read more about uh, Dinkins and his achievements, just uh, read the Wikipedia. That's where I've gotten all this information from. Uh, it's it's a good long read. So yeah, check it out. Oh, for sure. I might check that out too. Yeah. Yeah, cool. The second bit of news I have is that not really, again, a Seinfeld specific uh, related piece of news, but I was just perusing the news through the week and um, uh, Australia's in a bit of, I guess, economic strife, you'd say, with China at the moment. Oh yeah, for very var- For various reasons. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and uh, China's copying a lot of shit from Australia and from other Western countries about their... What is perceived as being bullying tactics, yeah, um, economically, diplomatically, etc. Uh, yeah, so the journal who wrote this piece, uh, and it's on the Australian who are a bit more of a conservative. It's a Murdoch mm. rag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, they tend to take yeah. the sort of like, I guess, right wing neo-libby type angle. The title of the article is China's Seinfeld moment with Australia. It belled the tiger 
dagger, then demanded we act like a pussy. So it's more of a it's more of a uh, an op ed yeah. on on how on how China are acting towards Australia, mm-hmm. especially in the last sort of six to twelve months. <laughs> yeah. And it basically is comparing China's I guess behavior to Seinfeld in that it's all bark and no bite. You know that it will amount to nothing because mm. we won't take it. We, we won't roll over and, and be bullied by a, yeah. a much bigger country. Well, for a non-political Seinfeld show, we've got a couple of political news posts. Well, today. yeah. I mean, we're not we're not talking about our personal politics. We're, but, you know, they're obviously, you know, they're things that happen in the real world yeah. that are politically uh, related. But, mm, uh, yeah, true. we try and keep it as apolitical, especially these days. For sure. As I'm, possible. I'm pretty sure the Australian is paywalled anyway. I mean, I can put the link in the show notes, but you probably won't be able to well, read it. Well, this right? one wasn't. I've actually got the article here. Oh, cool. Uh, if and you can it, send it over, that'd be great. Yeah. And yep. um, it makes references to Festivus, the feats of strength, you nice. know, China and Australia trying to yeah. sort of, you know, butt heads and, and compete. And it's, look, it's a pretty thin comparison. It's pretty, like, tenuous mm-hmm. at best. Obviously, this writer's just like, I'm going to have a rant about China. I don't like how they're acting. I'll just relate it to something that everyone knows and we'll call it a, <laughs> you know, a Seinfeld-type article. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but I have reported on these articles before. Usually, it's uh, days, like trading days on the New York Stock Exchange where zero happens. They call them Seinfeld days. Seinfeld days, yeah. You know, where yep. literally nothing happens. And... This kind of reminded me of that. So I'm like, oh, I'll just chuck it in. Why not? Except something did happen. Yeah. <laughs> and lo- lots of things are happening. Diplomatically, yes, yeah. it's happening. Yeah, sure. it's, it's a crazy time. It is. It is. And that's all the Seinfeld news for the week. Very good, mate. Let's have a quick break. And when we come back, we are talking about season eight, episode 19, the yada yada. And it's very interesting secondary characters. Hi, this is Zach. And Aaron from Seinfeld Law. And uh, you are listening to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. The Yada Yada was from Season 8, and that first aired in the US on April 24th, 1997. Directed by Andy Ackerman and written by Peter Melman and Jill Franklin in her very first writing credit, would you believe? In this episode, George's new girlfriend often fills in, fills in her stories with the expression Yada Yada, leaving out much of the detail. She's Marcy, played by Suzanne Cryer. Jerry tells him she's being concise, but not knowing what's going to... St- what's going starts to drive George crazy. Jerry, meanwhile, is convinced that his debtless dentist, (laughs) Tim Watley, played by Brian Cranston, has converted to Judaism so he can tell Jewish jokes. When he continues to tell Catholic jokes, he even complains to Watley's former priest, Father Curtis, played by Henry Warrenitz. It all leads Kramer to accuse him of being an anti-dentite. You're a raving anti-dentite. Elaine is asked by friends to be a character reference with an adoption agency, but she doesn't exactly help them. That's Beth, played by Deborah Messing, who makes another appearance on the show, and Arnie, her new husband, played by Stephen Caffrey. Kramer and Mickey, played by Danny Woodburn, can't quite agree on which two women they've met that they like to date. They're Julie and Karen, played by Monica Lacey and Ali Marsh, respectively. Phew, bit of a more of a synopsis than usual. Lots of moving parts in this episode. Other secondaries include David Chandler, he plays the adoption agent Brian. Real life couple uh, Robert Wagner and Jill St. John, they play Mickey's parents. So a bit of trivia about the episode Steve, this episode is 26 minutes long, one of the longest single episodes in the series. Yeah and you can only see the full version on DVDs and I believe on streaming services now but uh, there were a few scenes in this episode that I'd probably seen you know, way back when but I didn't recall because uh, that 3 or 4 minutes is usually cut for syndication. Towards the end at the, the wedding, some of those scenes are normally cut for syndication so it was a surprise seeing those extra scenes I thought I haven't yeah. seen this before yeah yeah I got the full one too when I watched it on Amazon yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no it was good yeah it was one of the writers who you mentioned before Jill Franklin uh, this being her first uh, writing credit and her only writing credit for Seinfeld as far as I know she was actually thrown a bone by I believe Peter Melman they were mates in real life and uh, Jill had just moved to LA she was trying to be a writer she knew Peter Peter was working uh, on Seinfeld and Peter's like hey why don't you uh, chip in on this Seinfeld episode and you can get a writing credit and that'll be a good uh, kickstart for your career so wow yeah pretty cool uh you know most writers would you know have to be really experienced or kill or both yeah. to be on seinfeld of and, course and, and she peter, just got the door open for yeah her. peter's yeah. just like yeah come on in come on in i mean yeah yeah i mean you always see writers credited and i don't know what the actual qualification is maybe you just need to write a certain percentage of the show or a certain percentage of the script because you know the scripts aren't just written by peter melman and jill franklin it's probably written by 10 or 20 of to course. be credited officially you know you have to write like a certain percentage yeah or you, or have you to, might have to come up with the main story and yeah, elaborate they're, they're, on it yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, just yeah. it's it's not literal. No, um, but it's not. Jill obviously made a major contribution to this episode, and yeah, yeah, threw enough in to be officially credited. So not a bad start to an official writing career in LA. Well, not so bad because they were both nominated for an Emmy for yeah. outstanding writing for a comedy. So yeah, there you go. That's right. Didn't win, but <laughs> no. uh, to be nominated, pretty good. Incredible. Yeah. Another bit of trivia I have is that uh, again, Peter Melman, the main writer for the episode, uh, was inspired by Jerry's storyline when an old friend of his made a Jewish joke. Melman, being a Jew himself, felt momentarily offended, but then remembered that his 
friend had converted to Judaism 20 years before. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and then that got him thinking, you know, maybe his friend converted to Judaism just for the jokes. Bit of a long game if that was oh, the case. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, yeah. But I mean, for people, I've never heard of anyone in history converting to a religion just for the jokes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think anyone would. No. Um, I mean, it, you know, converting to be, I don't know, like that's a pretty serious life change just for the jokes. I mean, if yeah. you cared about the jokes that much, you know, although they're not nice, just make the jokes. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> make the jokes. you know, at least privately. I don't know. But or maybe get maybe get permission from your Jewish friends to make the jokes in front of them. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's that seems like a pretty arduous process just to make some jokes. Yeah. I mean, George converted to Latvian Orthodox for a woman. Yeah. Which is pretty fair. Yeah. But for converting to Judaism for the jokes, I mean, that's a bit rough. I don't know. Converting to a religion just for a woman, unless you like have been with them for a long time and you really want to. But George didn't care about. No. Her. I can't remember her name, but. Like, it's not like they've been in a relationship for two years and they were contemplating marriage. And then you're like, okay, well, this is a serious commitment. I'll commit to the conversion. You know, he met her a week ago. He just wants to get laid. <laughs> for sure. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> a bit different. Yeah, bit totally, right. totally, yeah. yeah. It's the first time in the series that the internet is mentioned. Yeah, where uh, Jerry goes, i got to get on the internet. I'm missing everything. Yeah, because he doesn't realize that Beth got remarried. Yeah, I wonder what was happening on the internet in, uh, what, 96, 95, 96? 97. That, 97. Yeah. I mean, I know, I, maybe. I Maybe, maybe an email, ICQ. Yeah. Were late 30-somethings using ICQ? I don't Probably know. Probably not. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe an early, email. Early stages of MSN, if we I can. guess so. Yeah, maybe. yeah. 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 I mean, there was no social media, so it wouldn't have just been broadcast out to whoever was on her friends list. I'm guessing Beth probably sent emails yeah, to probably, tell people. Probably. One of those chain letters. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you don't send this to a thousand people, you'll die in a year or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And By the way, always, I'm getting remarried. It's always like, it's always <laughs> yeah. like 13 different fonts in eight different bright colors. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those are the days. Yeah. They were, you know, Simpler foundations. They were the establishments for our young lives. I think so. They yeah. were. Anyway, shall we talk about some secondary characters? Sounds good. Let's talk about that kleptomaniac, Marcy. Uh, she's played by Suzanne Cryer. She's appeared in the TV shows Two Guys, A Girl in a Pizza Place and Silicon Valley, among others. Uh, like I mentioned, Marcy is a kleptomaniac. I feel like because we, we see her in a lot of business attire, I feel like she could be like a lawyer or a businesswoman or she works in corporate somewhere. So it's not like she can't afford things. You know, she can afford stuff, but uh, she just likes the art of stealing. She just loves stealing shit. Yeah, I think it's just a thrill. Yeah, because a, a, a lot of people do. Yeah, it was like Winona Ryder in, even in the 90s. You know, yeah, she's she, like a rich, you know, actress and she kept stealing shit. Yeah, most so. people do it either by compulsion or for the rush or both. Yeah. You know, it's a form of control. Control. And especially for the rush, because I mean, if you know, that you can afford anything you want and you know you don't want you, you have things given to you you know sometimes or whatever you might be like oh I'd rather just take stuff you know it just it just feels good yeah I mean no one wants to have unending hardship but you know having to struggle a bit here and there in your life does provide a bit more meaning and a bit more I think gratefulness when you do get the thing or achieve the thing or graduate the course or whatever you're doing that mm. requires struggle or effort yeah but yeah when you've all of a sudden become a rich actress or in this case Marcy if she's a, a well-off uh, you know corporate lady you know your struggle becomes a lot less so yeah. you seek the rush elsewhere mm. uh, and you know sometimes that can manifest in shoplifting fair enough well one question I have for you about Marcy why do you think what's your theory with her saying yada 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 is it because I had a theory that maybe she doesn't like focusing too much on like the minutiae she's the opposite to Jerry George Elaine and Kramer they focus on the minutiae of everyday life whereas she likes to just skip past it and go to the important bits yeah she's kind of the anti Jerry and George and they really yeah, admire that they do which is kind of funny because they really enjoy getting into the weeds about everything but the first thing Jerry says about her is that, you know, she she's really succinct. Mm. So it's funny that they enjoy getting into the minutiae, but they enjoy it when other people skip over all that. It's it's like a yeah. it's a it's a strange uh, contradiction. Yeah. I think with her saying yada yada, the first theory I had, and I've now got a second one as you were talking about her working in the corporate world, is that maybe she has gotten into trouble by talking about her shoplifting escapades before. You know, mm. maybe maybe she's told the wrong person. Sure. Or she feels that, you know, she's been shamed for it. Uh, you know, people have been critical of her. Mm. So she's just gotten into the habit of skipping over stories so that she can be truthful but also omit a lot of information because she's not lying she says you know I was walking down the street yada 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 got a free facial hmm. which is true but she didn't say how she got the free yeah, facial yeah she skipped the bill <laughs> yeah and I would assume that you know if she's if she's in a corporate world if she's a lawyer she's probably quite perceptive probably quite smart she would know I think that George is maybe not the most ethical person so maybe she feels comfortable by telling George the full story because she knows that George is 
you know, George is not a shoplifter, but George, he's not an ethical operator. Mm. So she would feel like George is more like her in some way in mm. that, you know, he's willing to break rules and do the wrong thing to get what he needs, get what he wants. You know, so maybe that's why she opened up to him. You know, George encouraged her. But I think that if George was more like, say, Kramer, you know, Kramer's not perfect, but he's a lot more ethical. He's a lot more normal. I don't think that she would have opened up as easily, even with encouragement, because she would have felt like, well, we're still too different. So I think her, yeah, yada yada is uh, almost like a protection mechanism to sort of reduce or even eliminate any chance of being shamed. Like, oh my God, you shoplift. Why would you do that? You know, you don't need to. That's the wrong thing to do. Blah, blah, blah. So she can, she can be truthful, but she can also continue to shoplift. The second theory I had just quickly was that, you know, maybe it's just a habit she's picked up by being a lawyer. You know, lawyers are expected to communicate complex ideas like legal jargon, uh, especially to juries. You know, they can't speak legalese to juries because for them it would be another language. So they have to distill complex legal theories and situations into simple digestible truths. So maybe that mode of communication in the courtroom has sort of just transferred to her everyday life and it's just become normal for her. Yeah, They're the two things that come to mind. What about you? Well, a third theory that I had as we were talking or as you were talking is maybe she says yada, yada, yada to hide her indiscretions yeah because when the, for example she says oh my ex-boyfriend came over last night yada 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 i'm very tired you know you can insinuate that they might have had like a fling you know probably i don't know maybe well they know. don't because george asked her to explain and she says you know he's moving to seattle and that's we stayed up late but yeah yeah but there was nothing oh yeah that's true yeah, yeah so that's she, true. yeah so she she elaborates and yeah, it turns yeah, yeah. It, but the joke is is that you don't know yeah yeah and george is just being paranoid but yeah. once she explains but I mean, it's still, what you said is still relevant because she is hiding, you know, if we sort of link that back to the first thing I said, which was she's hiding her in shoplifting indiscretions. Shoplifting indiscretions. Or or her kleptomania. For fear of shame, like you mentioned before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you might ask, well, why would she yada yada everything then? Because she seems to yada yada stories and and anecdotes that aren't related to shoplifting. But again, maybe just to make it consistent, you know, because it would be, that would be a great burden to bear is like, well, I have to yada yada in my shoplifting stories. I have to tell in detail my non-shoplifting stories it would be easier to just go you know what i'm just going to fucking yada yada everything Mm -hmm. that rather than pick and choose because if you decide to yada yada something that should not have been yada yada or the vice versa yeah then it's yeah it's very confusing very confusing so just to simplify just go i'll just yada yada everything just to make it easy and to also make it so that people don't know i'm actually a klepto but yeah but the joke is that george thinks she's doing it to hide her yeah other indiscretions yeah 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 yeah. no it is good yeah yeah it's a good comedic device Mm. you know it's you know i love elaine to me it's like a top five or top ten Elaine moment is uh, you know yada 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 we went out for bisque yada 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 and we never saw each other again yeah. like yada yada the best bit yada yada the sex I mentioned the bisque I mentioned the bisque <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love that yeah it's a very inadequate fling that he had yeah. uh, she had yeah so and uh, she goes to shop for shoes Marcy and uh, we find out because George rocks up to the church by himself and Elaine's like where's Marcy I went <laughs> I love it his answer went to get shoes for the wedding yada 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 she's doing seven to eight months yeah so she eventually got caught she got caught after all her indiscretions yeah and the judge was probably like you've done this so many times i'm gonna slap a decent sentence on you yeah yeah you need need to learn i'm sure and again if we're assuming that maybe she's a lawyer that seems to be the going theory that we've been running with for the last 10 minutes or maybe like a partner from the firm yeah maybe she didn't want to like ruin the reputation of the firm because she's one of the like the partners yeah so she's like oh i better not get involved in or i better hide my indiscretions yeah my, my kleptomania yeah and i mean if she's a lawyer uh you know she would know her way around the legal system she'd probably have uh, a bit more leniency because the judge would be like well you know kind of looking after your own in a way yeah uh but eventually you know she stole too many things or the judge just didn't care about you know her being a lawyer and was just like i'm gonna mm-hmm. sentence you to the full extent of the law yeah. regardless of who you are and uh you know the same industry that we work in oh the judge was in a bad mood yeah. he was like no <laughs> that's it well like you said she's probably been caught a bunch of times uh, and, you know, a lot of times when people get caught shoplifting, if it's nothing major, a lot of the time they're just sort of put into like rehabilitation programs rather than just sent straight to jail. But, you know, maybe you got to a point where they're like, well, we've tried to put you in social programs, rehabilitation programs. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Got to be a bit more harsh. Yeah, there you go. And then yeah. we don't see her again in the series. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other notes on Marcy? No, no, no. All right. Let's talk about Beth and Arnie. Uh, I'll put him as one character. Beth was played, of course, by Deborah Missing, most famous for playing Grace in Will and Grace. She also appears in an earlier episode 
episode, season seven's The Wait Out, where she's with her former husband, David, played by Kerry Ells. So with Beth in The Wait Out, you know, Jerry was pretty keen on waiting out the marriage so he can hook up with Beth and Elaine could hook up with the husband. And then, yeah, he doesn't, you know, it's been like over a season, you know, close to nearly two seasons since they, uh, since Beth last appeared. And, you know, Jerry's pretty keen to, you know, initiate the relationship once again after uh, Arnie and her break up. And uh, we find out right at the end that uh, I guess she's a white supremacist. Doesn't like the blacks and the Jews. Yeah, she's a And dentists. Yeah, she's a pretty horrible person. She is an in- a terrible person. Yeah, up until that line, I, I forgot. It's funny, I forgot all about that line, but it's such a memorable line. Oh, it it's is. It's just yeah. so shocking. Jerry's reaction, his yeah, face it's is just like, Yeah. Because he's a Jew. <laughs> you know, you feel sorry for her through the episode. You're like, oh my God, Elaine dashed their hopes of getting a child but then when she says that you're like well who, that's good yeah that child should not be raised should by, not be raised <laughs> by her and and arnie and arnie maybe who's, arnie's who's, also who's a white angry. supremacist well oh, yeah. I mean, he's just an angry he's like an angry he's well pretty, he's pretty um brutal to elaine yeah you know, he's like you know shut up you know when he yells probably at her in abusive the diner. to beth too like yeah. he yells at her all the time and stuff think, yeah yeah they're I, both neither yeah. of them are very nice people they're not good people but yeah you think that beth there's nothing wrong with her and jerry's been i love how jerry's just been waiting this whole time to get with beth yeah and then suddenly she's just anti-semitic and racist yeah yeah, and she, an anti antidentite. Yeah, he dodged yeah. a bullet there. Dodged a bullet. But you think that he, she'd know that he's Jewish, you know? I don't know. It's funny, a lot of people, I've heard stories of people who, you know, have a general dislike for just a, a group of people, but on an individual level, they're okay with, like, because they make an exception for their friend. Mm. They're like, oh, I don't like X group of people. And one of their mates or their relatives or something is one of those group of people. Right. But because they know them personally, they're like, oh, well, they're not like the others that I have. Oh, is it like I have black friends? Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's just like, well, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't like, I don't know, Asian people. Yeah. But I've got a, I've got a mate who's Asian, but he's not like those Asian people. Oh, right. You know, it's like mental gymnastics. Selective Yeah, it's like, it's it's completely hypocritical, but maybe it's something like that where like, well, I know George, uh, I know Jerry, and Jerry is Jewish, but he's not like really a practicing Jew. No, he's not like an orthodox. Yeah, Jewish, or Jewish even person. even just like a moderate Jew, like he doesn't really you know bring it out, or he doesn't practice any of the even the standard stuff like Shabbat or anything on Friday nights or anything like that. So you know maybe she's like, well, he is Jewish technically, but he's not like you know doesn't take up much of his life. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe she just doesn't know. Yeah, Who knows? Maybe yeah. maybe she's so consumed by her own hatred, she's not even aware that people in her life yeah. are part of the groups that she obviously doesn't like. I feel like she's probably grown up in maybe the South, Beth. I mean, if we go from that, and maybe she's or maybe like a place where they don't you know it's very intolerant to other races and yeah well stuff, i mean this stereotype you know? is that you know in the south of america and if you are we're not saying that no you we're are, not saying you directly but, no but no. you know not you personally the, the history of hate i guess is probably more prominent i think it's fair to say yeah. historically speaking yes. i don't think that that's an uncontroversial thing to say but uh yeah there's anti-semitic and racist people uh, anywhere, everywhere, and everywhere yeah 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 so i shouldn't have said the south specifically no, no it's all good yeah i get you yeah. but no she's she's grown up in an area or in an environment where you know white supremacy is kind of like a thing yeah yeah i don't think she would be like like a virulent, vitriolic white supremacist who would like wish death upon non-white people. I think it would be more like somewhere between that and casual racism. Yeah. Where it's just like, well, I just don't like black people because, you know, of all the stereotypes that people don't like them for. But I don't think it's like a a seething hatred that that drives her. Like, I want to harm these people. It's just like a a disconnection from, you know, from what those groups of people actually are, which is not worth hating for. You know what I mean? I think it's just a like a misguided idea of what certain groups of people are and Mm. aren't. And I feel like she probably harbors her thoughts to most people. Yeah. Probably keeps into ones that she's really close to. Like Jerry, yeah. she probably, she really likes. Yeah. So she's like, I'm just going to say it. Or maybe she, it just slipped out. Maybe she got caught off guard and then she's just like, you know, she got so caught up in doing dentist jokes mm. and she's like, oh, dentist jokes and her and Jerry. Yeah. You know, Jerry's responding really well to him. And then suddenly she goes for the, the blacks and Jews. Yeah. She got a know? bit too comfortable. A bit too comfortable, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. She just, she just always harbored these thoughts, maybe in secret. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that she would be too open about them. Especially in a city like New York, which is quite cosmopolitan, mm. uh, you know, the 90s, I mean, always really. But yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a vitriolic hatred. Like, I hate these people. It's no, just no, more no. of a casual, yeah. disconnected, well, I don't like them because of reasons that my parents told me, which yeah. aren't actually true. Which aren't true. You no. know, but she's just had no exposure. She's just, I think she is racist, don't get me wrong, but I think it's more of an ignorant racism than a hatred racism yeah you know i just i just love how her character just evolves in one line i know like she just seems like very pleasant very nice even in even the wait out from season seven she seems very pleasant you know but she's just a victim of circumstance with her two ex-husbands and then suddenly you think oh yeah maybe jerry maybe like you get kind of caught off guard because if you've never watched the show before you think oh maybe jerry and beth will be together for a couple episodes or maybe things will advance or she'll become like george's susan yeah you know like that or even like a putty even like Like a a semi-consistent yeah you think oh maybe that's 
it. And, like a and, more consistent girlfriend. And then as soon as she says that line, you're like, that's it. Yeah. Over. We'll never see her again. It's a good way. I, I did have in my trivia. We did mention it when we're going through the trivia before that. Apparently, Jerry, well, Peter Melman um, and who's the other writer? Jill Franklin weren't. Well, they were worried that Jerry wouldn't like it because it's such an extreme turn. But Jerry loved it. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's like, yeah, chuck it in. It's, yeah. it's completely out, it's of, perfect. out of the blue. Yeah. yeah it's and amazing. when you said evolution before, like evolution to me is like a slow, steady process. A devolution. This, this is just like a 180. <laughs> it's a 180. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's true. Not a, yeah, it's not a slow process. I know what you mean, yeah, yeah. but it's just like... This is a whole turn. Yes. Yeah. Where the hell did that come from? And then, like, as soon as you she says that line, you know she's never going to be in the show. Yeah, she's, like, she's done. She's done. Maybe Deborah Messick was like, look, I'm... I don't know, I guess... Will and Grace, Grace would have came out around think, this time. I think around 98, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. And, I mean, Deborah Messing, I think, was starting to become more established anyway. Yeah, she was in, like, a couple of films and stuff, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. maybe she's like, you know what, I can't be a more consistent character. Just write me an awesome... Well, not an awesome, but a memorable send-off. And uh, Peter and Jill were like, all right, we'll, we'll make her... <laughs> Yeah, racist anti And then she becomes, uh, and then she goes on Will and Grace, and yeah. she's famous for for Grace. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, but lots of oyster. I would say probably the strangest secondary, well, in Seinfeld, the strangest character. You know, there's always moments where you're just like, oh my god, I didn't see that person doing that or saying that or being that or being interested in that. But it's probably for me personally the most unexpected. What the fuck? Yeah, especially where if did you've that never come from? The show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. For any first timers who watch the yada yada, will be like, oh shit. Yeah, especially when they've seen the wait out of season prior. Yeah. Like, oh, Oh my god yeah yeah Fire, very shocking very but, uh, yeah i wouldn't say funny but no, um no. very uh memorable yeah a bit disarming but very memorable yeah yeah and i mean like with arnie i think he just has anger management issues yeah. and uh yeah I'm, I'm i'm glad that the adoption agent brian you know after elaine's testimony was pretty smart enough to be like oh we're not going to give a baby to these people i think elaine's guilt would have been completely alleviated once jerry said oh you know what beth said to me at the funeral <laughs> where's she, beth she's yeah, gone to shave her head yeah 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 uh, elaine <laughs> You know, Elaine. When, another zinger, another Jerry zinger. He's yeah. on fire. When uh, you know, when Arnie yells at Elaine again in the diner, when Arnie's uh, quizzing Elaine, like, "What did you say?" Yeah, yeah. And uh, Arnie, I think, tells her to shut up, and then he yells at her again about something. I can't remember exactly. And you then better he, not screw it up this time. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then you know, the next day or a couple of days later, when she finds out that Beth is a anti-Semite racist she's like you know what I'm glad that I mentioned the the cinema story yeah you know actually did a favor to the yeah 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 Yeah, so that would have been a nice vindicating moment of just like oh my god you know I feel horrible because I cost my friends a potential child but now we realize who they are so yeah Yeah. good good work Elaine it's actually one of the only altruistic things she's done yeah happy accident (laughs) happy accident yeah yeah yeah. do you have anything else about Beth or Arnie no but uh, it's the last time we do see both those characters of course Uh, who are we talking about next Uh, why don't we talk about Father Kurt Father Curtis, played by Henry Warrenitz. Uh, he's known for primary colours and appearing in Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek The Next Generation. His character will appear again once more in Season 9's The Burning, which we did a while ago. I don't remember what he did in that episode. Neither do I. No, nah, yeah, but he's there. Okay. Anyway, uh, yes, he is Watley's former priest before he converted to Judaism. And, uh, you know, you think that priests would be very uptight with Catholic jokes and stuff, but he's pretty into it. He loves the Catholic jokes. Yeah, look, I've met a years and years and years ago, we had a family friend who was an Anglican priest. Sure. And, you know, Anglicism is considered a tiny bit more. Anglican priests have a few more freedoms than Catholic priests. They're allowed to marry. I think they're allowed to have sex as long as it's just with their wife. You know, it's more or less the same, but just a couple of little extra freedoms. And the Anglican priest that I knew or that we knew, my family knew, unless he told you, you wouldn't know. He would swear. He would carry. He would just, you know, act like anyone else. Yeah. But when you find out he's a priest, you expect priests to be quite, like you said, uptight, you know, quite almost boring, black and white, like very yeah. buttoned up. Yep. Uh, but he, he was just like, whatever. Free. Like, he just didn't yeah. care. He drank. He was, you know, he wasn't an alcoholic, but he didn't embody what you expected a priest to embody. Sure. So maybe, yeah, Father Curtis is just one of those people. Like, he takes his faith seriously, yeah. but he's not. I don't it, think has he's as liberal or free as your family friend. No, 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 no. He, no, no. he straddles that line between, yeah. like, buttoned up conservative and Yeah, I think he takes his faith enough. seriously, but himself not so seriously. Yeah, yeah, he does, you yeah. Know, he can, he can uh, you know, he respects his faith and obviously his profession as a priest, but he can also, you know, make fun of it. Mm-hmm. You know, which is probably a healthy thing. It's a good thing. You know, if you yeah. can if you can make fun of the stereotypes, you know, maybe that's it. I think it helps you reinforce why you're, you know, why you're part of that faith. Yeah. You know, you can sort of point out the foibles and then it strengthens your resolve, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like he probably does have a limit with jokes, though. Oh, of course. Like, but even when Jerry says the dentist and sadist joke, even yeah. Father Curtis isn't happy with it. Yeah. Probably because he respects Dr. Watley. He probably because so. Watley's done so much for him. And, and of course, he's his former priest. So they do have kind of like a personal kind of connection. Yeah. I'm sure 
at least confess to him about things and you know they've developed like a bond so if some random guy who doesn't even follow your faith comes in and you know says that about Watley or says the joke but you know that like your dentist who was also one of your you know followers you know at your church you know and you know them really well and they make a joke like that and you think well Watley's worked really hard to get where he is yeah you know how dare you mock him you know, he just kind of subtly, passive-aggressively says to Jerry, you know what, that's not funny or whatever, and just shuts the door. Yeah, he, he seems to have a soft spot for Watley. Maybe he's a failed dentist. Maybe he tried <sighs> to be a dentist and he didn't get the grades, uh, and he's like, oh, I'll go be a priest. That's a bit of a reach, I think. But no, I feel like he's probably known Watley for a long time. Yeah. And yeah, they're just, you know, you just, when you when you confess to someone like a priest or whatever, yeah, you have he that did, bond. He, just, he didn't just insult dentists, he insulted a friend. He insulted a friend. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and a faithful former follower. Well, we know Watley's a perv anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, who knows what he did with jerry and the nurse you know True. in that episode but mm. uh, yeah but no that, that he but uh father curtis is none the wiser maybe that's why whatley who we may as well talk about next yeah maybe that's why he converted to judaism you know to absolve himself he's like well if i'm not a catholic i can't carry catholic guilt no maybe <laughs> yeah like, yeah i'll just remove myself rather than trying to absolve it <laughs> of course you know through attrition yeah i'll just i'll just remove myself from the religion and there's no guilt yeah we spoke about whatley in our what's the deal with jerry's enemies episode uh, probably i think it was our first year we did the podcast yeah. 2017 we we mentioned, I think you might have mentioned that he converted to Judaism possibly to start a new life again. Mm. He was probably sick of the hedonistic yep. lifestyle, having sex with different women and being a bit of a perv and yep. doing all those sort of things. And he wanted to kind of turn to change his life around. Yeah, I think that would have been his motivation, but he still seems to be up to his old ways in that he's obviously not as um, pervy. Well, in this, mm. at least what we see, it's not as pervy, but he's not, he's still sort of making a mockery of the religion. No, he's not. You know, so he's still, he's still, it's like Watley under a different disguise in a way. Because we and see in just, the next season that Watley is actually, he's hosting a party, I think, or he's at a party with, with uh, the core four. And he's just straight, like straight and narrow yep. with Judaism. He doesn't make Judah, like Jewish jokes. He's just yep. like, yeah, like he says some Jewish lines and words and like shalom and stuff. But yeah, you no, know, he's cool. He's like, he's not mocking it. Yeah. So he's probably, after all that time, he's kind of respect the religion you know maybe jerry's words and maybe some other you know maybe his you know the rabbi mm-hmm. who, go, who is at his temple or members of the synagogue yeah we're like we're like hey like you know you even though you're a new member you've got to treat it with respect and they sort of straighten him out a bit yeah because Jew, you know people jewish people have had a pretty rough history in the last century or so well, the last three thousand years three thousand years five thousand years, 5, years. Whatever, even better and even as recently as like you know World yeah. War II. So, yeah. you know, they've had it pretty rough. So I can see why I can see why there's probably some sensitivity with a lot of the community. And that probably explains why the rabbi probably talked widely down saying, you know what, take it a bit easy with the jokes. Yeah. I can get it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think that's, you know, that is a theory of why there's so many good Jewish comedians like Jerry Seinfeld, mm. because they've had so much hardship over their history that humor is a form of dealing with that. Yeah. And, yeah. and processing that and moving through that pain. Mm, mm. Uh, you know, there seems to be a, a mo- like, like relatively speaking, there seems to be more Jewish, like, legendary Jewish comedians than, you know, other faiths that I know of. Yeah. You know, so I think a rabbi would appreciate that uh, Watley, you know, saying jokes is a form of therapy, cultural therapy, if you like. But, you know, Watley's not a, he wasn't born into Judaism. He hasn't had to struggle as a Jew. He's just a new Jewish person who's just, you know, taking advantage of it. And he has a, obviously he's a dentist and he treats dentists like, you know, they're a a sect of the community too. Yeah. 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 I did like, um, it's not about Watley, but when uh, Kramer's accusing uh, Jerry of being an anti-dentite. David anti-dentite. Yeah. And he he goes, you know, they've came here, you know, they just wanted a piece of the dream as well. And and Jerry's just like, he's from Jersey. Jersey. I love when he, I love Kramer's like, now he's a fully fledged American, which to me is a subtle dig at people from jersey like yeah, yeah they're yeah, not full, like even if you're born in jersey you're not a fully fledged american <laughs> and soon you'll say that they have to have their own schools <laughs> they, they do have their own schools <laughs> dental, <laughs> dental schools <laughs> yeah it's i uh, love it yeah it's it's really clever writing it is like, yeah you know, it's, it's pointing out racism but it's also just pointing out that dentists aren't a race of people <laughs> yeah of course yeah, it's, but it's they great. but they feel like they're persecuted yeah yeah well, Wally does Wally does anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah he's got his uh lines crossed there <laughs> yeah another bit of trivia actually the uh melbourne actually thought that uh anti-dentite would be the phrase that catches on obviously it was yada yada yeah and uh yeah it was one of those things where they plan for something and then something else happens entirely mm-hmm. i mean anti-dentite is still a pretty common phrase among seinfeld especially in seinfeldisms the yeah, yeah 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 but it hasn't but it hasn't sort of like escaped seinfeld fandom into just the everyday world like yada yada has yeah you know yada yada's yeah. you know like shrinkage it's you know even if you're not a seinfeld fan you would know that it's a seinfeld reference yeah sure. you know, no suit for you yada yada All shrinkage that. and yada yada and yada 
yada, yada. Yeah. <laughs> yada, yada. That's it. Anyway, but you can find out more about uh, Brian Cranston and his character, Dr. Tim Motley, in our Jerry's Enemies episode. So go back through your feed. We talk about him in detail. And I think, uh, I think we went through... Like a huge, we discovered something about Watley, and we just went with it. I think it was that he converted. He was a drug addict or something. Yeah, he was a drug addict, and he was a bit of a bit of a player. Yeah, and he didn't like that sort of more shallow lifestyle, so he converted to Judaism to have a reset. Yeah, we went on a full on. I think that was our. I think that was our epiphany. Yeah, we went on an epiphany and like a massive tangent. Yeah, and we went with it. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, we were like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to that one for sure. Anyway, I only have notes now, or just on Julie and Karen, the girls that Kramer and Mickey pick up yes. any other characters look i've got a couple on uh mickey etc but we've done his own episode and he's been talked about so much by yeah. us before yeah uh we'll just leave him for this one but yeah. it's nice closure for his character getting married because yeah. i don't think for I don't a fourth know if time we'll see him again until the finale uh, i, I think he's in one more. more maybe one more one more yeah but uh as far as i know his fourth marriage at least lasts until the finale it does yeah you uh, think he's still married you know and i mean what's the time between the the real time between this episode and the finale like a year yeah, year or two thereabouts. not really a long time no. for a marriage he could have gotten divorced soon after yeah because his wife isn't there at, at the court no who knows but who knows who knows but anyway julian karen julie was played by monica lacey she's appeared in the 2000 film the cell and in tv shows the kicks and hawaii 50 karen was played by ali marsh she appears in the tv shows bull and in plain sight and karen is the one who marries mickey i had to re- watch this episode a couple of times and even i got confused as to who was who did yeah. you i well, think that was the idea of well because the they kept right? on switching it did you know yeah, they, yeah. they they didn't know was, who was who and even we didn't know i was like which yeah. one's julie which one's karen i had to like go back and, and watch it again yeah and like, oh. kramer and kramer and mickey both you know uh feel confident that they know who they are but then they st- second guess themselves because jerry's like which one's which and he's like i don't know <laughs> yeah because karen is the one who uh who marries mickey yep but we find out because kramer's pretty keen on karen mm. until he goes to her apartment and then meets the parents and the parents are dwarves a little people. A little people. Oh, yeah. Is it little people? Oh, that's yeah. the correct term, little people. Yeah. Dwar- yeah. Dwarfism. Right. Yeah. Right. Is the, I is think the dwarfism term. is the medical term. Yes. But, uh, the social term is little people. Little people, my mistake. Sorry right. for any little people out there. That's okay. <laughs> Danny Woodburn, if you're listening. <laughs> Sorry, mate. But yes. Um, yeah. So they're little people. I feel like with Karen, at first... Karen was probably pretty keen on Mickey because he is a little person too. And he's like, well, they're like my parents, you know, I have yeah. respect for little people. I know what they're like. You can relate. And then she probably didn't appreciate Mickey's brash personality, you know, after they got to know each other. He's probably like, oh, Mickey's a bit too abrasive for me. Yeah. You know, I'd rather someone a bit, you know, even though Kramer's wacky too. It's probably like, I'd rather probably Kramer. Like well, Mickey style. fires up a lot more. You know, Kramer's, yeah. Kramer can fire up and get it, can get a bit crazy. But Let's throw him down. Come yeah. on. But, but Mickey seems to just fire up over nothing. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's always he's always got something to prove. Mm-hmm. He's always just very, very you know, on the edge. And I feel like Karen probably didn't appreciate it. But then she probably realized what hardships her parents went through. And just probably like, you know what, out of respect for my parents, I feel like that they'll probably like Mickey more than Kramer. Because she really like loves and adores her parents, mm. and she's probably like, you know what, I'll put up with this guy. Yeah, yeah. So you, th- you think she settled just to sort of make her parents happy? Well, not just that. I feel like she probably because her parents are little people, she understands what they're going through, right? And she probably, I don't know, it's probably other kinds of things. So as it was well. more of like an empathetic, maybe. Okay. You know, uh, look, she probably knows a lot more about little people and yep. their their strifes and what they go through, and she probably thought maybe Mickey, maybe I can Mickey's a little person like my parents and maybe i can put up with his rants and his anger yep you know maybe i can just learn to live with it yeah okay yeah. well she shouldn't have to but no i'm not I know and, 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 and look mickey always seems to be very nice and respectful to everyone uh it's not like he's an angry person in general it's just kramer yeah and i think it's just a case of him and kramer are like best mates or nearly best mates mm-hmm. um you know and you can always push those things a bit more with your close friends yeah like but, mm. like mickey's always very respectful and very nice towards everyone else you know he's not disrespectful towards well, anyone in this episode karen Jewel. The only time I can remember him being disrespectful two times actually is in the stand-in. The guy who quizzes him about his oh uh, yeah his, he's rises, a, his, his rival yeah his yeah, rises his yeah and he gets a bit you know shirty with him which is you know there's just seems to be a bit of like you know argy between Joey Joey that's yeah, right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and also uh, when George I think calls him a dwarf or a midget yeah and he's like it's little people it's little people you yeah. know but that that calms down very quickly because George is like oh I'm sorry you know he realizes that he said the wrong thing and he apologizes and then it's it's not a thing anymore so I don't think Mickey would be abusive towards Karen Mm. but like in general, but it would still be something she'd have to manage. Yeah. You know. You make a good point because it's actually Kramer that breaks it off with Karen because mm. Kramer sees the parents. Yeah. So, yeah, if it wasn't the other way around. So, I think like Karen probably thought, oh, Kramer doesn't want to get with me. Yeah. Yeah. And then probably just felt, went to Mickey. 
I mean, just I just we didn't actually talk about that. Well, I'm surprised we haven't. Why does she want to get married so so like quickly? I mean, you know, mm. she she meets both Kramer and and Mickey, you know, and like what two three days later, she's already walking down the aisle with one of them. I don't know. Maybe yeah. she was desperate. Maybe desperate, or maybe maybe know. she's got like a biological clock, and yeah, you know, okay. it's ticking, and she's got a couple of years, and she's like, geez, I got to find you know a guy that I sort of like and, and go yeah, for it. Got a bag one. Yeah, Fair probably enough. maybe it's something like that. Maybe she came off another like marriage. Maybe she's like Mickey, mm. and then she needs another marriage. You know. True. Yeah, uh, that's know. my guess. <laughs> I don't know. I thought, yeah, I mean, the fact that Mickey's been married three times prior, I think that would be quite a no, uh, like a... Um, oh, a no goes a, a red flag. A red flag. Red flag. Some people are like, be, yeah. uh, what? You know, yeah. like once, fair yeah, enough, yeah, you know, yeah. marriages break down, but three times. Three and times. Mickey's not like 70 years old. He's no, what, no. like 40? Yeah, yeah. 38, like, 40, 42? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a lot of marriages. A lot of marriages, you know? I know. And in a time when divorces were more common, but certainly not as common as they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that... Yeah, she must have yeah. either really seen something in Mickey mm-hmm. or just been very, very, very keen to get married. Maybe. Because uh, who knows? But Kramer and Mickey, they met Julie and Karen at the Gap. I feel yeah. like Julie and Karen are really close friends. Like, yeah. almost like sisters. Yeah. But not related. Non-biological sisters. Non-biological sisters. sisters. Yeah, they've been joined, basically joined at the hip. Yep. You know, since probably they were kids. An old friend of mine from Brisbane would call those sort of friends non-sexual life partners. Yeah. You know, where yeah, they, yeah. You know they're, they're just almost emotional. married. Emotional and yeah, physical, it's, but it's, not sexual. Yeah, it's platonic it's and pl- emotional. Yep. And it's it is love, but it's not sexual or romantic yeah, love. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. yeah cool. Non-sexual life partner. Non-sexual life partner and NSLP. <laughs> NSLP. Yeah. Nisselp. And Nissel, yeah. Um, and Julie, yeah, I think Julie and Karen weren't sure who to get with. Um, I, I, they probably appreciated... You know, Kramer and Mickey's quirky characters. Yeah. You know, like, oh, these guys look interesting. Yeah. Maybe we'll go for a date. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're interesting people by themselves. I mean, Kramer's got the Kaborka. Mm-hmm. Mickey is, you know, he's charming. He's smart. He's uh, very insightful. He's, um, you know, he's an actor. He'd be an interesting person to get to know if you just met him at a party or ran into him at the Gap yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, both of them together would be a very interesting proposition. It would. I do like uh, when they're at the restaurant and they both walk in and um, they start fighting over the seat and they're wrestling and... Uh, you know, they're tumbling over each other. And then Kramer is like, oh, ladies, you both look lovely tonight. Like <laughs> during the middle of the, yeah, just to like charm them so good. while they're wrestling. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah, he's, he's a gentleman, Kramer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even, during, even during a fight with his best mate, yeah. he's still got, he's still, he still got to work the, he still has the charm. To. He still has to, yeah. <laughs> That's all I had on Julie and Karen. Actually, just had a couple of notes on Brian. He's the adoption agent. Yeah, actually, did you have anything else on Julie and Karen? Oh, uh, no, that was it. No, just quickly on Brian. He's played by David Chandler. He's appeared in the TV show Law and Order and in the film Hide and Seek. He's a geek, of course, probably doesn't meet too many women and he's pretty impressed when someone like Elaine seduces him, but not for the reasons that he thinks. And he's a very, I think he's very good at his job. He understands, you know, he's probably seen a lot of abusive or potentially abusive people wanting to adopt kids and he can read them really well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he knows that, you know, even though Elaine just mentions one time Arnie yelled, the fact that she mindlessly mentions that, like, this is the story that comes to mind. Yeah. You know, you probably got a hundred stories you could tell. And this is the first one. Yeah, you and it's not like me. she chose it. No. It just, it just unconsciously, mm-hmm. I think he realizes that, oh, I don't think this is just a one-off. I think this is who Arnie is. Yeah. And this is, and who, who knows what that'll escalate to with yeah. the baby <laughs> if it yeah. gets worse. So yeah, Brian, he's very, very good at his job. Yeah. When you said that he was a bit of a bit of a nerd or a bit of a geek, oh, I can't remember. It was when Elaine first meets him and she's, you know, starting to get into the story. Uh, Beth and Arnie. And she says like something about porn or sex or something. And he's just like, no, 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 no. Like he says- He's like, a bit of a she, prune. Yeah. She's like, have you seen that sort of movie or have you- Oh, striptease. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Have well, you, maybe he's Did just, you go and see a striptease? He's just like, he almost looks like- Or maybe he's flustered. a closet. He's, he's just a like, closet. oh, no, no, no. Or maybe he's a closet perv. Maybe he has seen it, but he's a bit shy to admit, oh yeah, I went to yeah. see a striptease. Which give me more. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, but he just he, it's not just a casual like, oh no, I haven't seen it. It's like, oh no, no, no. Like, yeah. Oh, no, There's no. probably a couple of ways it could have yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's either watched watches those movies yeah. in secret or But you just saying he's a bit of a nerd or a bit of a prude reminded me of that of like, right. yeah, that that kind of uh, <laughs> that you know, that makes sense. He's never seen a naked woman until no, he meets like, a oh, striptease. <laughs> and at the end, Elaine, I think I'm gonna be sick. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, but anyway, that were uh, the secondary characters. Do you have anything else? No. Yeah. That were the secondaries from the Yada Yada. When we come back, we are going to rank this episode in our 154 episodes we have done so far and we're going to find out if any of today's secondaries make our top 20 list you think that dentists are so different from me and you they came to this country just like everybody else in search of a dream well he's from jersey yes and now he's a full-fledged american kramer he's just a dentist yeah and you're an anti-dentite I am not an anti-dentist. You're a rabid anti-dentist. 
Oh, it starts with a few jokes and some slurs. Hey, Denty! <laughs> Next thing you know, you're saying they should have their own schools. They do have their own schools. <laughs> Out of 154 episodes, where does the yada yada rank for you? Well, I told you at the start, Stephen, this is one of my favourites we've done so far. Number 10. Wow. Yeah. Oh, oh. Sorry, that was my alarm. <laughs> that was, yeah. it was time like to go time, to bed. Time to, re- yeah. <laughs> Gotta go. Time to record, uh, end of recording. That's yeah, it, we're done. That's it. See you later. Yeah, you can finish this off. Bye. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. It kind of, like you said, it kind of harks back to older episodes in terms of its humour, in terms of like focusing on the minutiae. Lots of moving parts. I really enjoyed all the plots. I, I think it's, yeah, and it's it's a cultural, you know, it's a very notable cultural reference, yada yada yada, uh, and to an extent, anti-dentide as well. It's like a not a god to your phrase, like yada yada yada, but it's there. And yeah, very good characters. I love Watley; he's back. Uh, Father Curtis was very good in the episode, and uh, yeah, everything just worked really well, and it was fantastic writing. Yeah, no, I really like the episode. Didn't make my top twenty for me. It's number thirty. Okay, but yeah, really liked it. Basically, for all the same reasons you do. Um, yeah, just. Lots of moving parts that come together in the end. Uh, the part that I like the most, even though it was probably the most harsh, well, one of the most dark moments of Seinfeld is Beth's turn. Yes, uh, but Because yes. it was so unexpected and mm-hmm. I forgot about it because I haven't seen this episode in such a long time. I, um, yeah, it... It, it was it, a bit shocking, It's, it's it? not nice, but it's also, you know, it's, it's even at season eight, they were still willing to take those sort of risks. That was a big risk and it paid off well. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well done. Yeah, excellent writing. Any of the secondaries appear in your top 20? No, but Dr. Watley, I think, was already in my top 20. Yep. Uh, let's see where he is. He is... Oh, he must be out of my top 20. He's not there. Yeah, he I think be. he got pushed out recently. I th- he might have, yeah. I think it was number 20 maybe two or three weeks ago and then someone pushed him out. I maybe. I remember that. Maybe, yeah, but I'm looking at my list and he's not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but Mickey, he's uh, number 20 nice. on my list. Okay. You put him in ages ago. Right. Yep. I'm the same. Nothing. Uh, no one in my top 20 but all the secondaries in this episode were really good they were and anyway that was another episode of Bask. thank you so much for listening if you want to reach out to us and send us an email see how we're doing bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com you can also follow us on social media facebook twitter instagram reddit and discord we do have a discord server go on the show notes at b-i-d-w-b-a-s-c and you can support us financially on patreon and paypal paypal for one-off donations and patreon for a very low monthly fee and you get bonus goodies like bonus podcasts and other stuff that's right and finally we do run the biggest Seinfeld community on the internet Seinfeldisms check it out on Facebook for all your Seinfeld goodies we've got lots of awesome things planned for 2021 a couple of things that were supposed to happen at the end of this year but had to be put on the back burner due to a pandemic yes everyone. once in a hundred year pandemic in case case you haven't noticed Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so lots of cool things happening in 2021 and some of those will tie into the podcast as well so uh, keep an ear out and keep an eye out absolutely anyway next week Stephen we are doing our third and final Festivus episode of the series because we are finishing early next year we're going to talk about the gum nice from season seven with uh lloyd braun when we see the madness of lloyd braun start to kick in and that's uh matt mccoy's debut on the show yeah as, uh, as lloyd braun yeah no looking forward to that one we'll have to chew gum all the way through the episode <laughs> that's just, a lot just of to, gum just to piss off the listeners yeah <laughs> That's a lot of gum. <laughs> no one's gone through, you know, more than one minute of this episode. Yeah. Like, welcome to Big Red Basque. <laughs> this is a perfectly sane food to eat. <laughs> the hot dog. Yes. So because the gum, I've, I saw that the gum is the last episode, you know, set around Christmas mm. that we haven't done yet. We've done all everything else. Uh, we did the red dot last year and then we did the strike the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this one's the last one, the gum. So, mm, bittersweet. Bittersweet. Yes. Yes. Until then, uh, I'm Stephen. I'm Ivan. And we'll catch you on next week for the gun. All right, take care. See you later.